Hello and welcome to the Corporate Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Findler, former professional extreme skier. After living in Whistler, Canada for 10 years, I traded in the mountains for the vibrant city life in London, UK. And it was a bit of a shock going from the athlete world to the corporate world. I know that being in the corporate environment can be busy, hectic and stressful, but so can being an athlete. So I've reached out to the top athletes, coaches, trainers and more to give us an insight into the athlete mentality sharing their stories of failures, successes, training programs, mindset, goal setting, and so on. I hope these stories inspire and motivate you in your personal professional life and help you get your butt out of bed at 6.30 in the morning when that alarm goes off to get you to the gym. I'm really excited to introduce you to my first guest and one of the most inspiring people I've had the pleasure of knowing, Mike Shaw. When Mike was a freestyle coach, he had a spinal cord injury and severed his spine at his neck and he got told he'd be a quadriplegic and never walk again. But five months later, he walked out of hospital. Since then, he's been traveling the world, sharing his story, inspiring millions. He's got an incredible TED talk, and Red Bull TV have done a brilliant documentary on him called The Healing Agent. Since his injury, Mike has stepped into entrepreneurial role and started his business called Head Start Pro. He works with coaches and athletes around the world, helping them find their optimum performance, and of course, injury prevention. Thank you for being here with us today, Mike. Uh, maybe you can start by telling us how you got into skiing. When I was 16 years old, I found it. I found my purpose and my passion and what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And what it was was freestyle skiing. As a youngster, I bounced around. I tried all kinds of different sports. I wanted, I liked the idea of being an athlete, but I hadn't really committed to it that hard. And when I got into freestyle skiing and signed up for the local ski team, the club at my home mountain, and got convinced to go to my first contest, it wasn't even so much of like a, it, it, I just kind of fell into it, really. I didn't, I didn't have a plan, but as soon as I did my first skiing contest, I was like, this is it. That feeling, that buzz, that drive, that just the rush, the endorphins, the adrenaline, everything, the nerves of being in the start gate and that when they rush through you at the end of the contest run, it was it for me. And I knew I was going to be a freestyle skiing competitor, a professional skier, maybe an Olympian. That was going to be my life. But I competed for three years through my uh, upper high school years, so 16, 17, 18. And then disaster struck. I got hurt. I got hurt pretty badly. Freestyle skiing is not in fact free. It's actually incredibly costly. And I ended up breaking one ankle. And then that made me have to miss a competition season, which was a pretty significant chunk of time at that point. But it wasn't so far that I, I could still keep up. I hadn't fallen all the way behind my friends who were still competing. And then I broke my other ankle. That was the real blow. That one was brutal. I remember seeing the x-rays and they were, it was like deja vu of the first ankle. The first ankle took a year and a half to get better. And I knew that this one was going to be a saga as well. It was heartbreaking for me at, you know, 19 years old to realize that I was going to have to miss another winter of competing which actually ended up, it turned into me missing three winters back to back to back of skiing the contest circuit. And my friends were all progressing and moving ahead. My team, all those people I was with the whole time, it was hard. 
but where one door closes, another one will open. You have to trust that. And for me, the door that opened was freestyle ski coaching. Initially, when I started ski coaching, I was doing it as a way to stay involved so I could still keep my sort of finger on the pulse, if you will, of the contest scene while I was recovering from my injuries. And then I could and then I could come back. And it just seemed that that comeback got farther and farther away, especially with the second broken ankle and then some other niggling injuries and stuff like that. But the silver lining in all of it was I found this passion and purpose in ski coaching as well. And I had the athlete mindset. I was driven. I was motivated. I was skiing because I loved the sport more than anything. The reason why I got into coaching was the same. It was twofold. Like I loved it and still love skiing more than anything, probably, which, uh, which fueled my passion to help others and climb the ladder in coaching in Canada. I started out at a, at a, in introductory level with my club and then worked up through there to become the Canadian national development halfpipe ski team coach. My team at the time in 2013, 14 was a, uh, basically the feeder team for our Canadian national team and our Olympic team. So it was cool. I was working with high level athletes on the world cup circuit. I was in as much of a competitive athlete mindset as ever, every contest, but not just for myself, for my eight athletes at every event, you know, helping get them there. So it was like incredibly, uh, motivating and uplifting. And I, I love my, my job and my life. And I was skiing in some of the most beautiful venues all around the world and some of the best half pipes ever. Yeah. And at some point it's even like, you're definitely faced with some problems that you need to solve for for your athletes i mean the uh they do turn to you you have to develop trust with them and i think that's what makes a good coach athlete relationship is that there is this sort of inherent trust where the athlete can turn to you and they respect your your decision because it's easier to stand back with a bit of a third-party view and assess the situation and help your athlete that way but also there's a bit of a been there done that scenario where uh, athletes respect you because like yeah you've been in their shoes before and at one point i wasn't just coaching eight athletes when i coached the british columbia team which was the the step below my the national development level i had 14 athletes boys and girls so i had 10 guys four girls split across two different disciplines, slope style and half pipe, and just me. And that was incredibly difficult. You, I couldn't physically be there for them at all points in time, but when it came time to do their contest run, I was there, and I had to be focused for them on their runs, knowing exactly what their skill sets are, how they can deliver, what they need to perform to succeed, and even if it's a personal best or if it's a podium, it's how do you maximize that human performance in that moment and taking in all the factors that are going on with that, that human at that point in time is like an incredibly fun job, really rewarding. And, um, yeah, I loved it. It was, I learned a lot in those days, coaching those athletes, probably as much or more so than I even did in my own competition career. If I knew what I, in when I was competing, what I know now as a coach, it would have been an entirely different game for me competing anyway. It's cool. Yeah, hindsight's a bitch, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's good, though. It's good. Yeah. But, 
But yeah. do you find that though? Because um, you know, you say the athletes really respect because you've been there, done that. Do you find there's some resistance sometimes though? Because you know, I, I can just sometimes imagine people being like, "Well, what do you know?" Because you know, in in the work environment, I see employees, you know, sort of resenting the manager in certain ways and being like, "No, I'm working overtime here, and you're not acknowledging it." Or um, that's very easy for you to say because you're earning better money than me. Do you ever feel that from the athletes of any sort of resistance? At some point, short answer, yes, but it's more complicated than just a yes answer. And I don't know that I would go as far as saying resentment, but there's certainly this, uh, you, you have questions. You know, you question your manager or your superior's ability. And I think that's totally normal. And if you're not questioning them, if you're just taking everything they say as the rule of law, then I don't think that's all that healthy either for a corporate culture. But with when it comes to that sort of relationship, you have to trust that your manager or your superior is in that role because they've earned their stripes to get there. And you will too. Now, when it, with my athletes, my athletes could do tricks and acrobatical maneuvers that weren't part of my repertoire. Didn't do any of those tricks when I was younger. Part of it was, well, there was progress in the entire industry. The entire sport had advanced. Much like in the corporate world, when you have advancements in technology and stuff like that, and, and your skill set is different to that of your coach or your manager, or your superior, and you may be able to do things better. But that's why they have you in that role. They have you there to help. And there's this whole thing in, uh, in freestyle skiing is an individual sport, but it's heavily team reliant. And like in any corporate culture, there are a lot of individuals who are working hard to put their foot forward. And you might go fast on your own, but you'll go farther as a team. And so all these individuals come together in the corporate environment or in the team space, in the space of freestyle skiing, and they've got their own goals, their own trajectories, and everybody's trajectory is slightly different depending on what your personal values are and what your personal objectives are. But you have to understand that when, when I was like skiing with my team, like my teammates, they competed against each other. And in the business world, it's competitive too. But you can lean on each other and work together and move move ahead and there might be there's going to be someone who juts out front and it isn't always the same person my team the uh the winners and the losers if you will or the second place person they they often swapped roles but by going together they made it a lot farther and then that team structure doesn't go away right up until the the very upper levels of competitive sport there are teams even gymnastics, freestyle skiing. There's a pole vault team somewhere. And pole vault is very much an individual sport, right? But they go farther together, and that's why you rely on your team. That's something I really experienced when I went to my first uh, free skiing competition. I could not believe the community. Like, everyone was so welcoming and so supportive. And my very first competition, people were asking me, like, uh, asking me what, what line I was going to choose, where I was going to go. And at first I thought they were messing with me. I thought they were trying to psych me out. 
But then I very quickly realized that they were actually giving me advice on my line choice and helping me. And of course, like, you know, if I improve, they improve. And if they improve, I improve. And then, of course, the whole uh, community improves. And to see something like, you know, you, like slope style and half pipe, I mean, that has progressed just so quickly. It's just yeah. huge. And it's amazing to see. And, and I can just imagine the the um, friendly competition that's going on between all the athletes and, and trying oh, to encourage awesome. people. Party up there. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows and likes each other. And it's like one big group of friends. It's funny. Like you're like cutthroat competing on the mountain. Like everybody's getting in the zone, ready to focus and go and deliver their, what they've practiced for so long. And then everybody just goes for beers after. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool culture. And a lot of, I mean, I think there are some uh, corporate cultures that are conducive to that as well. I think the time where it's not is in uh, in some business where you're working with competitors because in that time, like your competitors literally are like they're trying to squash you in a lot of industries. And that's how it works. It's some some in, uh, business environments are quite cutthroat and I like to lean towards the other ones. And I think that I personally, my values for business are that if we can work collectively towards a goal or an objective of making the, uh, the marketplace a, a better place to be, then we're only going to help each other. And the ones who will succeed are the ones who are doing it right. I don't think you need to work so hard at derailing a competitor. That's just me personally. Those are my values. But, um, <laughs> Certainly, you everybody's seen the uh, the Pepsi ad where the the kid puts the puts his quarters into the vending machine. He gets out two Coca Cola cans. He puts the Coca Cola cans on the ground so he can stand on top of them to reach the Pepsi button. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's some humorous and stuff like that. But I'm like, you know what? That's it uh, that doesn't align with with me and where I think I'll take my business too. But it. Uh, it is something to be aware of in freestyle skiing and stuff like that. The, the culture there. And one of the things I, one of the reasons why I liked that sport and being part of it for so long was because of that camaraderie. And yeah. I do like being, and I like being an individual. I have my own goals and aspirations, but I know that my team and working with my team and working with my leaders and respecting as a leader, my followers, that's a, uh, that's an environment that I can see myself being in for a long time. So when I'm working with my new company and everything like that, I try to create that for my colleagues, my partners and everything. Yeah, I 100% agree with you in that. I really believe in um, people within an industry or whatever coming together and sort of, you know, growing from there and moving from the ski life into the corporate world. I have had a couple shocks of people not being so supportive uh, I've had a couple awkward meetings <laughs> and, and, you know, asking people like mentorship and, you know, each to their own, quite rightly so. They've, they're not interested at all um, in sharing any of their knowledge. And, and I always walk away thinking, what a shame. Um, that's a real shame. But uh, collective consciousness is a powerful thing. And if you don't share your ideas and help the ideas move forward, someone else is going to contribute and help you get your initiative farther like teamwork is uh is important hmm. so you went from being the coach you were the one supporting everybody and then life very quickly changed for you when you had to really rely on your team 
and rely on everyone else to support you. Yeah, absolutely. So my departure from freestyle skiing was incredibly abrupt. In 2013, on a routine training day with my team, we were at a World Cup at uh, Copper Mountain in Denver, or just outside of Denver, Colorado, in the United States. And uh, in a routine afternoon, I was demonstrating a trick for one of my athletes, which went tragically wrong. I ended up coming out of a 720, which is just two full rotations, take off forwards, land forwards. But on landing, I landed in some on my feet in some soft snow, which ended up pitching me forwards onto my face, basically. And I didn't get my hands out, didn't collect catch myself or anything like that or so far back that my neck dislocated and broke and uh before i'd even stopped crashing i knew how bad it was because i'd suffered a spinal cord injury and was paralyzed from the neck down so by the time i stopped falling i knew that i was that it was game over and uh oh what a sobering moment i'll tell you i had uh a lot of things ran through my mind at that point i thought geez, I'm never going to get to, I should have landed that. I'm never going to get redemption on that trick. That is something that's always bugged me. But uh, then I started thinking about, well, good thing I don't have a concussion. I checked my mental faculties. I lost six months to the sofa because of a concussion. I was sidelined from sport for half of the year because of a, a head injury. So I was well aware of that the head injury at, part of the side of things and I, I hadn't had a concussion or anything like that so I was grateful for that and I started thinking about oh my goodness I've ruined my parents retirement everything is this is it game over my life is never going to be the same and sure enough I was right about that my life has not been the same since then but fortunately I didn't ruin my parents retirement because I've had a really remarkable recovery from a spinal cord injury most quadriplegics don't don't walk again and certainly don't even use their arms, their hands again, don't get to go skiing again, which are all things I've done or get to do now. And uh, I really feel like I've had a second chance at life with the one in a million recovery that I've experienced. So with that, I mean, I find new purpose and a new path to help others. And it helps me in my corporate working life. And, uh, in a lot of the, the speaking engagements and, and stuff like that I get to do now. I mean, there are silver linings and everything. Sometimes you just have to look for them a little harder than you, than you might not like to because, I mean, trauma's a bitch. But when you go through an obstacle or any adversity that is that significant, like literally like life-altering, you will come out, of the other si- come out the other side having experienced immense personal growth. The things that are easy in life, they don't change you. It's like if you go to the gym and you work out easy, are you going to see any results? No. If you work out hard, you'll see results. And the things that are hard in life, if you lean into those and you work through them, you will come out having learned something and being ahead of where you were before, even though it might seem like an insurmountable obstacle to overcome. Do you find that you're able to implement that into your everyday life because I think sometimes it's you know we can say I I need to do this this is tough I need to push through through. I suppose maybe going through such a traumatic experience you might think this is nothing compared to that time go to the washroom to walk to get up to 
dress myself, getting in and out of bed, in and out of my wheelchair for, for a certain period of time. It was, those were all challenges that were, um, really, really tough to overcome, but I had a skill set that helped me immensely throughout that journey. And that was being an athlete before that I'd, I'd learned to fail before and fail forwards. I'd learned to rehab my body from other injuries, the broken ankles, the torn shoulders, the wrists, the ribs, the hematomas, the concussions, all of that. Like they, uh, they helped give me, uh, I'd done it once, I'd done it multiple times before. So when the real serious injury came, I was like, okay, I'm prepared for this. Actually, I'm probably more prepared than most people to handle this right now. And so for that, I was grateful and, and gratitude fueled a lot of my steps forward because every little step you make in life, it's, it's good to keep that perspective and realize how lucky we all are because I was certainly lucky to be experiencing healing. It was a unique factor in my spinal cord injury in my perspective because I had hope and trust the whole time that things would improve, but the fact that they were improving just kept triggering this gratitude, 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 gratitude all the time. And if I were to like sum it up in just a few points, I would say that gratitude is the strongest pillar in my life that helps me sort of bring in the athlete mindset to my daily life. Having a growth versus a fixed mindset, that hope and trust, and it's even like blind trust that things are going to work out. If they're not working out right now, it just means they're not finished yet because things will always work out. Gratitude paired with that growth mindset and being willing to fail forward, lean into the adversity and the challenge that I was experiencing so that I could take the next step following that. And sometimes like I had to take a step backwards to take two steps forward. And you have to find where that balance is, where your edge is, where that line in the sand is drawn. And then sometimes you need to stay where you are for a bit before you can take the step over it. And that's important too. But gratitude hope and trust that growth up to you and it's limitless if you open your mind to that and then failing forwards all those things help me so much on my way to recovery and in my everyday life now and working with my team at head start pro and the business that we're building the their practical life lessons that can go with you anywhere and everywhere and benefit you in all sorts of ways. This athlete mentality that you've been carrying with you, did you learn it when you went to that first competition when you were 16? Or do you think this is something that you were just born with? I think there are some attributes of the athlete mindset that are innate. And so resilience is one of them. Resilience is an innate characteristic. Everybody has it. If you fall down in the grocery store, you're going to pick yourself back up. Probably because it's embarrassing. <laughs> but the reality is, is when we fall down as humans, we pick ourselves back up. It doesn't matter what the adversity or the trauma is, we do have this innate sense of resilience. But as an athlete, I had developed the resilience because I'd failed a lot. And I was willing to fail and overcome and fail and overcome. Like in a sport like freestyle skiing, you have to crash sometimes a hundred times before you get your 
before you get it right. And so every single time you pick yourself back up and you go back to the top of the jump and you ski down and you hit it again and you try the backflip or you try the whatever the 720, that is developing this sense of this trait of resilience, which is innate. Everybody has it, but it can be developed. And so like other things in the athlete mindset, like the growth mindset, the ability to channel your energy and say like, okay, I know this isn't going my way right now, but what can I do to fix it and still make it go my way? That is something we can all develop over time. So like certain things like certain elements of the athlete mindset and the the willingness to to try and put yourself out there, those are things that you have before you even start, but when you become the athlete and you go into this high performance realm, then you develop those further. But because you have these sort of innate traits or characteristics that we all that we all have, I'm saying you as in you the listener and you as in you Rachel, like we all have those, you can develop them further. So anybody can adopt the athlete mindset at any time. It's incredibly powerful. And the athlete mindset, it's really common in sports, and that's why it gets given this title, but it's not an athlete mindset. If you take the athlete word out of it, it's just a mindset. So it's a growth mindset. It's a fail-forward mindset. It's a limitless mindset. It's a I've got this mindset. It's an I can do this mindset. That those mindsets or that mindset, that's something that anybody can adopt and bring into their life and into their corporate culture, wherever. Yeah, I think the athlete mindset can be quite similar to the CEO mindset because, you know, CEOs have that same drive, same resilience. Um, don't take no for an answer, even if it means getting beat down. <laughs> yeah, and it's and some people... I mean, it's funny because CEOs or the most elite athletes in this world, people are like, oh, they just have it. You, you're not looking at the thousands of hours that have gone into getting them to that place where they have that mindset because it's been developed over time. It's not something that you just have or you don't have. Everybody has the, the possibility to do it. Unfortunately, the biggest voice that we all hear is the voice of self-doubt. And athletes have it, CEOs have it, managers have it, everybody has it, entrepreneurs have it especially. But what separates them from everybody else, and the, especially the elite athletes that succeed, is when they hear that voice of self-doubt, they can work through it and they can say, well, everybody, like everybody has it. Everybody has the, the you know, the devil and the angel on their shoulder, if you will. And the the people that are more willing, like you, ha you hear both, but you've got to listen and it takes a lot more effort to listen to the angel working through that voice, that self-doubt voice and understanding that you're the only one standing in your way of achieving all the success in the world that you could possibly hope and dream for is like, it's a an epiphany moment. When you find, figure that out, it's like, well, then it's like you start looking at the world through different through a different lens, right? Like you're, it's like all of a sudden you see potential everywhere. What can I do? Where where is this going to take me? And even the decisions that you make in your day to day, 
you say, is this towards my purpose? Is this toward, is this getting me to that goal of where I want to go? And if it's not, then you can reassess things. And if it is, then you lean into that and you keep going. And I mean, that's where even the, I mean, I'm rambling a bit here, but when you really face the hardship, the hard part, but it's going to suck to do like you've done a corporate rebrand and you get 90% of the way done to your rebrand and you realize that you screwed it up in one way or another. And you have to go, Oh, we missed this. We're going to have to go back and do all this work again to get it right. You could easily say, Hey, well, what's the harm if we just don't do all that work and we keep going with it the way that we are right now. That's, it could work. It might, but if you know it's right, but it's going to take a lot of work, you've got to lean into that and go through the, the hard work to get the growth. The whole idea is just like understanding and like what is going to be, where is your purpose? What do you actually have to do? What's your objective set out? And sometimes the, the turns in the road or the forks in the road, you're going to be faced with decisions that are hard, like having like the example I brought up where we had to go, we did a rebrand in November and we had it done for November. And then in February, we realized we were off by three letters and we needed to add to it and we needed to go back and do it all over again. But it wasn't a rebuilding exercise. It was a building exercise. It's like, okay, well, knowing what we know now, now what are we going to build versus rebuild? I like that mentality. You're always building something, never rebuild anything. Rebuilding is always uh, looking in the rear view mirror. It's good to acknowledge what's back there and learn from it and take, uh, take a forward approach with or move forwards with some of the things that you had before that were good, but you can lose everything that wasn't good. And then you can build whatever the, uh, the, uh, the company of your dreams, the home of your dreams, the whatever of your dreams. And yeah, just amazing to hear your experience. And um, thank you so, so much, much for having me. It's a pleasure to chat. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. And please go and rate us on iTunes if you enjoyed the episode. If you did, make sure you give us five stars as it doesn't seem to recognize any less. So we appreciate the full review. If you want more information on Mike, you can find him at mikeshawski.com or you can head over to headstartpro.com. And again, the documentary on Red Bull TV is called The Healing Agent and make sure you check out his TED Talk as well. For The Corporate Athlete, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore corporate underscore athlete or on Twitter at the Corp Athlete. We look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks.